The other example I can give is I do fine art photography shows. And if I go to California, let's say as an example to do a show, my income earned in the state of California for that weekend art show is California income. And I owe the state of California income tax on that weekend. Hey, this is Heath Padgett and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 115. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs where I bring on guests and we talk about how they've built their businesses from the road and as they've been traveling all over the country. And on today's episode, I'm interviewing Heather Ryan. Heather is my business partner's wife. She's also our accountant. She's an EA enrolled agent and an expert in taxes. A lot of people have reached out and asked us questions about how to set up their business while they're on the road where to file that business. You know, if you have a domicile that's registered in Texas or in Florida, how do you actually go about setting up a business that can operate from anywhere? And I know everyone's situation is really different when it comes to setting up a business because it depends on your industry, it depends on where you're living and how many partners you have and a ton of other different factors. So we kind of use our story is kind of case study to pull examples from, and you'll know what I'm talking about in a minute when we kind of dig into this. So we share a bit of our business, how we set up our software company, how we set up Paget Creative LLC, and all these different elements. So you can kind of understand how to go about setting up a business if you're going to be operating it from the road. A few things that we talk about in this episode is what state you should set up your business in, what is a domicile and how to set one up, how setting up your domicile can impact your decision on taxes, healthcare, and even your driver's license. And the burning question that we've had and so many other people have when they are traveling around the country in an RV is what exactly can you expense while you're on the road? You're constantly moving around. So it's kind of a weird gray line on what you can and actually can expense. And we dig into that in today's episode. And because some of this is a bit heavy and you might have to re-listen to it to really understand and digest everything that we talked about, after this episode, Heather kind of put her head down for several weeks and wrote an ebook that covers a lot of these topics really thoroughly. And you can download that for free at her website at tax-queen.com slash ebook. And if you want to grab that link and you didn't get it, just go to heathandalyssa.com and click on the show notes for this podcast and it will be on there. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Heather Ryan. All right, Heather, I brought you on the podcast today to talk about how to set up and manage your business as an RV entrepreneur. A lot of people have questions about what is the right kind of business to set up and what can you expense while you're traveling in an RV? I think that's a big question. And while I know everyone's situation is a bit different, I thought we could dig in and answer some of those questions today. So thank you for being on the podcast. Sure. Glad to be here. All right. So one of the first questions I have for you is if you're looking to start traveling the country in an RV and you're going to be running a business on the road or freelancing or DBA as yourself, whatever you're doing, how do you go about finding the right place to set up your company's LLC or whatever structure you decide to set up if you don't have a quote unquote home address? Maybe you're using a domicile or something like that. So I know that's probably one of the first questions that people have when it comes to setting up a remote business. So how would you go about answering that question? And by the way, I know, like I said, I know there's a million different ways that in everyone's situation is going to be different. So you might have to defer on some of these, but people have been asking for this episode for a really long time. So thank you. (laughs) Well, typically I say form your business where you're domiciled just makes things easier. And that as even as taxes are seen 
Uh, you want to be doing business in the state that you live in, even if we're not living in a state, we're domiciled there. So that's our, our residency. Um, it's the easiest way. It gets a little trickier if you have business partners, maybe that aren't your husband or wife or, or someone you live with. If they're in different states and domiciled in different states, pick one of their states. That That's like the best cut and dry answer I can give. <laughs> Yeah. So with our situation, I mean, we kind of deferred to you when we were setting up Campground Bookings LLC and we set it up in Wyoming, even though I have my domicile in Texas or that's where our address is, our home address. You guys are in Florida. I don't even know where the heck Bob is. I think he's Michigan still. I'm not even sure, to be honest. He has actually just moved to Florida. Oh, he <laughs> just moved to Florida. He just quote unquote moved to Florida. He established yep. his domicile in Florida. So why did we choose Wyoming to set up our LLC? So Wyoming's a great state for software businesses, such as yourself. Uh, it protects um, a lot of legal situations, and that's why we chose it. Since none of us actually live in a state, that made sense as far as that business is concerned. So what was it particularly about software? And I know we're going to get into the weeds real quick, but you can't... It's kind of funny to to kind of zoom back for a minute. I recorded an episode a while back. I don't even remember which one it was with Adam Newburn talking about handling taxes as an RV entrepreneur. And I was just like, we're getting in the weeds so quick. Like everyone is going to be zoning, zoning out at this point. It has literally been one of the most popular episodes on this podcast. I get more emails from, because people just, they want to, you want to know the specifics. And so digging into why is Wyoming a good place for a software business? Like what exactly does that mean? Uh, just protects you legally. It also hides. So in Wyoming, in order to register as an LLC or a, a legal business structure, you have to have registered agent. And that is the only name that is seen on any kind of Secretary of State or like State of Wyoming documentation for your business. So it's protecting you legally. Nobody can find out, okay, Heath Paget owns this business or John Smith owns that business and reach out to you personally for litigation of any sort. They have to go through that registered agent. So it just it's that legal protection kind of, I want to say hiding, but maybe that's not the, the nicest term, but it's protecting your name and privacy in that respect. And I mean, as more specifics than that, I'd probably say talk to a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, you know, like I'm really on the tax side of things more than the, the law, like litigation of someone wanting to sue a business. <laughs> so... We can kind of also, I'm okay with it if you are kind of using our some of our own situation as illustration points, because otherwise we might just be saying like, well, it all depends on your situation. So I'm okay with using parts of our situation to illustrate points, even though other people are going to be different. So zooming out from that question a little bit, why did you guys, because it's hard to have this conversation around setting up your business if you haven't yet established your domicile. So if you don't know what that means, when you move into an RV, you still have to have a home address. You still have to have an address that the government says, you know, like, why don't you tell us what domicile is? Because I'm going to screw it up. <laughs> uh, domicile is just claiming your state. It's claiming a residency state. Whether or not you have a physical home there, it, you need a state to claim on your taxes. You need an address for everything, for uh, auto registration, for health insurance, for any kind of work you do, uh, whether it's a business you own or a, a W-2, you work for somebody else, you need a mailing address. And that's essentially what it is. Uh, and some people choose to use a family member's home and that's okay too. You can, you can do that. Yeah. And yeah, I know that that's, that's a great answer. And I know a lot of people go through uh, escapees to establish their domicile and you guys establish yours in Florida, which is a popular state for a lot of people. Can you give me a little explanation as to why you guys did that? Uh, we chose Florida for registration fees 
for avoiding having to get a non-commercial class A driver's license, which Texas requires if you have a RV over 26,000 pounds, whether it's an RV or a, a trailer and a truck combined, it's over 26,000 pounds, you need that non-commercial driver's license. Um, the other factor for us, for a big factor for us, was we actually purchase our own health insurance since we are self-employed, and Florida has the best options for that. Gotcha. So those are the biggest things to look for. So for ease of mind, you would recommend if you're establishing your domicile in, say, Florida, a popular state for a lot of full-time RVers, then you would recommend establishing your business in in Florida as well, just to make things easier. Correct. And is there a particular kind of business structure that you've ran across more with RVers? It seems like just setting up a, a simple LLC is typically the best way to go. But would you give any pushback on that, depending on the type of business a person setting up? An LLC, the reason why you set up an LLC is for legal protection. Again, um, it separates you personally from your business. As long as you keep separate bank accounts, separate receipts, all of that separated. If someone comes back to sue your business, which happens, we all know we live in a sue happy country, they can only touch your business property, your business funds, they cannot touch you personally. And that's the reason for an LLC. You can perfectly be happy setting up a sole proprietor, you know, just doing business as like Heather Ryan, that's fine. Um, But again, you do not have that legal protection. And that's why LLC is a popular option. Gotcha. So moving on past, so we established where are some good places to potentially set up your business? And I know you have a lot more resources at tax-queen.com and people can look up, you know, like what are some of those early questions that people ask when they're setting up their business? But I want to move into a lot of the questions that we've personally had and we still kind of wrestle with a lot, which is what can you actually expense while you're on the road? How does that actually work? Because you know, our RV is our office. A lot of our expenses are very, very much intertwined, but it's also our home. So how do you, like, if I were coming to you and asking like, Heather, what are the kind of things that I could be thinking about expensing? You know, you know, a good bit about what we do. We do consulting, we have our software business and, you know, we do content on the road. So like, what are some things that you would kind of be asking, pushing back on me for to, to be thinking about what I can and can't expense on the road? Uh, biggest things you can expense is any equipment related to your business. So let's use you guys as an example. You do videography. And if you need to buy a new camera to do that video, if you need a tripod, if you need memory cards, those are all business expenses. That's what you, they're, they're things you, you use to do your ordinary business, everyday business. You also, as an example, have a, a class A with a toad behind it. If you take, get in your car and drive to a client's office, that mileage can be taken. If you leave your RV parked at an RV park in, let's say, New York State, and you have to fly to Colorado because you have a client shoot going on, that flight, if you incur food while you're out there, if you incur hotel expenses, if you rent a car, those are all expensed items. Like this past week, we had our RV parked in Nashville. So it was parked at a campground in Nashville, and we drove our car, our Honda CRV, up to Louisville, Kentucky to an RV show to do a video project for Winnebago. So we're expensing all of those various costs on the road. Correct. The miles the miles you took to get there, yeah, all of that. Um, like I said, even if you had to fly there, because maybe it was in California, not a drivable distance per se, you know, that that's definitely expenses. You can't take the cost of keeping your RV parked in Nashville, because that's your home that you're paying rent, basically, to park it somewhere. Does that 
Yeah, totally. Is that clear? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So what about the home office deduction? And because I, I was talking with my father-in-law about this the other day, and he has he has his own business. So they've, you know, they went through a lot of this over the years, and they do a lot of their own taxes. So what are stipulations when it comes to taking deductions from your home office? Because it is, you know, part of the RV is designated kind of as our office, but it's all in one, too. Is there any scenario where you can actually deduct those office expenses like you could normally for having your own office space or no? So the IRS states a home office has to be used 100% for business purposes. So in a typical RV, I don't see any space that can be used 100% for uh, business purposes. There are exceptions to this rule, like everything else. Maybe you have a bunkhouse and your bunkhouse room is set up for your office. Okay, great. Take that space. I would say for the, that you guys are pretty darn close to that because you have a toy we hauler. We have a toy hauler, correct. We have a toy hauler. So our back garage, if you want to call it, is our office space. And that's really all it's used for. So yes, we could claim an office deduction. Also, you have to remember it's relative to the space of the house. So we're not going to get a huge deduction. Like nobody in an RV is going to get a huge deduction for having a home office because it's just not a huge part. We don't have a big house and it's not going to be a huge space. So I know in a sticks and bricks house, it can add up a lot because you can have a good size office. But in a smaller space, it's harder to really add that space up. What about deducting the interest paid on your RV loan? For, as far as a business is concerned, no. Okay. For a personal return, yes. <laughs> okay. I just, I knew that you had talked about that before. So something that I was, I heard somebody bring up the other day and I don't, I kind of heard this through like multiple people. I don't even know who the person was, but they've been traveling in RV. They have a business on the road and they bought a small house and a small piece of property and that they're going to be wintering there. And so they have their piece of property that they actually are spending time on. But then a good bit of the year, they're also traveling in their RV and essentially what you know, from my understanding, and again, you might have to dig more into the details, but it seemed like they were going to be able to expense a far a great majority of their travels now because they actually have a home base. And so now, I guess, because a lot of their travels are centric around their business, they're able to claim more of them. Like, for instance, I guess, if, look at our situation. If Alyssa and I decided tomorrow that we're going to buy a house in Nashville. So we have a house in Nashville, but then a good period of the year, we base our travels around work projects. So specifically like we're going to see clients where you know we're launching in Canada next year for campground booking so like we're big doing a big PR tour but we have a home base that we're going back to and technically all of our travels or maybe 70% of our travels are centric around our business does that change the dynamic it certainly does because now you're claiming residency where that house is so you're saying as an example Nashville Nashville is your residency that's your home base you have sticks and bricks property there and now every time you leave that property, you're going on a business trip, let's say to Colorado or to Texas, and you're taking your RV with you, all those expenses are deducted. Yeah. And that's interesting because then it, it starts to become kind of a significant amount when you think about it like that. And I know that's this is probably not relevant for a lot of people who are in RVs. It's just something that I've been kind of thinking through a little bit. You know, like we've talked about the idea of maybe buying a campground or buying a house in the next couple of years in the greater Nashville area. So it's just one of those things where like if that happens, but then we're still traveling maybe five, six months out of the year, then how does that affect what we're what we can and can't deduct? Because gas and RVs and everything else like that adds up quickly. Correct. No, it changes things a lot. You get a lot more deductions if you have a property where you can claim that as your domicile, your home address, and then you're taking off to do business trips, essentially, in your RV. 
Gotcha. So do you have any recommended apps for just tr- that you guys use on the road to track either mileage or expenses when you're out of the RV for, for business? Good ones that I like are Expensify and Mile IQ and honestly QuickBooks is really great for just keeping track of expenses. The app allows you to take a picture of your receipt and literally you can you know go to a coffee shop, get a receipt, take a picture and enter the expense right there immediately in less than five minutes. It's really a great tool. Um, and that way it's not daunting when you go to sit down maybe once a month and reconcile your books and remembering what expenses were for. Those are my probably top three. Gotcha. And we'll link up to those in the show notes. I want to pull, we had a lot of people in our Make Money in RV Facebook group that have asked specific questions like pertinent to their situation. So I wanted to pull a couple of those questions as well. The first one is the more I research, the more questions I have, but I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way. We live in West Virginia where my husband's LLC is formed uh, with another partner. So we will not be moving it. If we establish our domicile in South Dakota or Florida, where there's not a state income tax, where West Virginia has one, will we be required to pay state income tax where the LLC is formed, or do we follow the state tax laws for where our residency is? So that depends on how the LLC is treated for tax purposes. It can be treated as a sole proprietor. Um, In this case, maybe not because there's a a dual membership. If it's treated as an S-corp, then you're taxed at your home address, which would be the South Dakota or the Florida. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then the next question from our group is someone asked, I have a web design business, which I plan on doing from the road when we take off in the RV. I live in Pennsylvania and I plan on renting my house when we do this. From what I have researched so far, it seems I cannot use Pennsylvania as my domicile state since I will be renting my house. If I choose one of the RV friendly states like Texas or Florida, let's say Florida, for example, I would then be domiciled in Florida. My questions are, do I need a Florida license? Does my truck slash RV need to change to Florida? And lastly, does my business, which is an LLC address, need to change to Florida? So if you pick a domicile of Florida, Texas, wherever, then yes, all of those need to happen. You need a driver's license in that state. You need to move your auto insurance. You need to move your tag, you know, your license plate tags to that state. That's your new home. But I don't see why you couldn't continue to use that Pennsylvania address in this example as your home and just have a separate mailing address that if that's clear. Yeah. So, so, so if you're renting out your house, there's no reason why you have to physically change your address. Like a lot of people I've talked to are starting to Airbnb their house while they're traveling in an RV. Yep. So you could keep that as your home address and just make sure that you have a mailing address so that that renter isn't going to be receiving your mail. Gotcha. Another question that people had, and I think we, we've already kind of touched on this, but they said, I'm working on a plan to start my RV slash van lifestyle with my wife this coming November. We have a LLC for the work we'll be doing and wonder if anyone is running the expenses for the vehicle slash gas, et cetera, from a company. We kind of already talked about this. Right. And again, it really just depends if if you have a home or a, pla- a domicile place that's separate from where your RV is you know, like if you if you have that sticks and bricks house, then yes, you can claim the gas. You can claim all those travel expenses. If you don't, then no, because it's your full time home. Gotcha. Uh, last question from the group: Someone asks, "Is there a good reference on dealing with taxes if you are making money with a side hustle?" Example: I'm working on getting my photography up and running right now. I'm looking to sell stock and stock photos uh, from my site. I live in Wisconsin, so I have sales tax I have to charge. Plus, I'm unsure whether I should do sole proprietorship or LLC. My future plan is to start taking more freelance gigs. Just trying to find a good resource to figure this out. I don't want to miss something when it comes to taxes. 
So again, in this case, um, a sole proprietor and LLC can technically be the same thing. You can be an LLC sole proprietor. That LLC is just that legal protection. Maybe the different structure you're trying to look for is a sole proprietor versus an S-corp. And uh, the sole proprietor, the difference is that you pay self-employment taxes on an S-corp. The business is paying half the taxes and you pay half the taxes just like if you worked for Google or any other company and received a W-2. Maybe I'm getting too much into this. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean... Really, the biggest difference of forming an S-corp or just keeping a sole proprietor or an LLC sole proprietorship is the business income. Um, if you're you know, under $50,000 of income, I don't see anything wrong with keeping it really simple, keeping it either an LLC or an LLC sole proprietor um, and just filing you know, directly with your own income taxes versus making that formation of the S corp and going through all that paperwork, extra tax return to file, all that stuff. It does add a little bit to it. Um, but you save a lot in taxes once you start to hit that fifty, hundred thousand dollars in income. So that's really the biggest difference. And as, as you start out, I wouldn't worry too much about that. If you form an LLC, you can always go up and get it treated as an S corp as your business grows and you're making more money. Got it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Whenever we were setting up our bank account for campground booking, it was a huge pain in the butt and it still kind of is. So I was wondering if you could talk just a little, a little bit through, because our issue was that we have an LLC among three partners, myself, Paul and Bob, and <laughs> we were all in different states last fall when we were setting up our bank account. So we had like filed the LLC through Wyoming Registered Agents LLC, I believe is the company we use. I'll link up to them in the show notes. And then we were going to Chase Bank and we were in Texas. I don't know where everybody else was, but we we're all in different places. And they just didn't understand when I told them we all lived in an RV and we all traveled. But they said, but where do you live? And I'm like, no, we live in an RV. We're always moving. And they're like, I know, but where, where's your home? And I'm like, it's my RV. Right. And so it was, it was a huge pain in the butt. So did you pull any takeaways from our experience last year in setting up a, a bank account? And like, what would you recommend to other people? I like... I don't even know what to say. Like, how do you improve on that situation? It was just really hard. Banks in general are really difficult. They're really cracking down on security and having a physical address to use. Some of that's also the government and the Homeland Security rules that are being established or being implemented now. I think the easiest way to establish a bank account is to literally go into a branch and open a bank account right there in person. Um, you'll have your ID with you. You'll have all of that information. Maybe you have an EIN for your business. That's the easiest way. But yes, Paul and I still struggle with this and opening a bank account or credit cards and proving that this is our, you know, our, our domicile address is our legal address because it does show up in systems as a post mailbox, even though it's a street number. And I've literally just had to argue with people that that's our only address. The other solution is to use that as a mailing address, your domicile address as a mailing address, and use a family member as a home address for the business. Even if it isn't anything to do with the business, um, I found that a good workaround if they will not accept your, I live in an RV and here's my address. <laughs> yeah, and another thing on top of that, when we were setting up ours for Paget Creative LLC, our bank account, because we filed ours in Wyoming too. They were just easy to work with. And we're like, okay, well, we already have a campground booking filed there. So we'll file, you know, Paget Creative, you know, the, that's who we use for clients and video and consulting and things like that. 
And when we set up our bank account, we were happened to be visiting family in Texas. And so they were like, well, why are you filing your business bank account here in Texas if you're if you're in Wyoming? And if you do any business whatsoever in Texas, then you have to file an extension of your LLC, which is like seven or eight hundred dollars in Texas. They call that a foreign entity usually. So if you're registered in Wyoming and you come to Texas to do business physically there, you're a foreign entity in Texas and you do have to be registered. That's technically how it works. Just to clarify. <laughs> so like when we host our summit, we're going to have to file. I think we'll have to file that extension in February because we're doing business in Texas, right? Correct. Physical business. Yep. That sucks, but <laughs> you got to do what you got to do because we have to get business insurance and everything for the event. But another question I was going to ask is like, I've heard more and more conversation and more mud, like more murmurings about this. I don't really know too much about it, but like if you are in any state, even if you're working online in that state for periods of time, that states are wanting you to pay taxes on that money that you're that you're making in that state. For example, if you and Paul, you know, are hanging out in Florida this winter and we're making revenue from campground booking that Florida, well, crap, Florida is a bad example because that's y'all's domicile state. But say y'all were in Tennessee. Have you, <laughs> yeah, have you heard anything about like, and how does, how does that even measure? Like if you're an RV or bouncing around from state to state, how would they know where you're bringing in revenue? Does that make sense? Technically, they they won't know. It's It really becomes evident if you are physically going into somebody's office. So let's say you get a client in in Nashville because you guys are Texas residents. You get a client in Nashville and you head there for the month and you're, you're driving there, you're staying there. It might become more evident that you're working for them because then they also might have to submit that 1099 for you to the IRS and all that stuff. So that's where it does say, okay, you earned a month of income. And that's each state is different. Like, ten, does the state of Tennessee care if you're physically there earning it? And that's every state is different. You really need to research every state's rules. But technically, you may owe for that month or that income you earned in Tennessee, you owe the state of Tennessee taxes on that income. So you guys traveled all up the West Coast and through Canada this year, and Paul had contracts. So are you guys like paying out? these states that y'all technically worked in or how does that work? We are not because all of our contracts, um, none of them are going to a physical location. So we just consider all our personal business income as Florida based. But again, it's, it becomes a really sticky situation. And I know maybe more like work campers and stuff have to worry about or traveling nurse has to worry about that because they are physically in a, in a state working and they're receiving a W-2 or 1099 from that state. And then you really have to worry about filing for that state. If you're a business owner, it, it like it's really sticky. Again, it, it makes a difference if you're physically going somewhere and performing work in that state versus just everything is online, uh, contracting online. You can consider it your home state. Yes. Your home state. So it seems like if you're, all of your work is truly remote, and doing it online or through Skype meetings or whatever, then you could pretty much just be filtering that through your home state. And you happen to just be traveling in an RV during most of the year, but technically you're doing business in Florida. That That's the easiest way to look at it. Um, the other example I can give is I do fine art photography shows. And if I go to California per se, let's say as an example to do a show, my income earned in the state of California for that weekend art show is California income. And I owe the state of California income tax on that weekend. 
if that helps clarify anything. Totally. That makes sense. What are some other questions that I haven't brought up, but that people consistently ask if they're living in an RV and running some kind of business from the road that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, The other factors, I guess, is when thinking about business is costs of running that business. You know, what's the formation cost? What are my annual fees to maintain that business in that state? Do I owe or do I have to file uh, a business tax return in that state? I know federally, you know, you do, you may not have to, but do I have to in, in that state? Those are big things. The other things are taxes, sales tax. Yeah. So looking at like campground booking, what were some of the costs associated with us setting up? We set up our LLC through registered agents, LLC in Wyoming. So we have a business address in Wyoming. And so it's been over a year, so I don't remember all the specific costs. I know in Texas, it was like 300 bucks a few years ago to file an LLC. But do you remember some of those costs for Wyoming? I think Wyoming, we just paid the yearly thing. It was $50 to for like the annual renewal, whatever. Um, and I think it was like 150 or something initial. And that's including that registered agent fee, $25 or something. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't very expensive. It's pretty reasonable, but the state of Wyoming is pretty reasonable. You know, the state of Florida is pretty reasonable. South Dakota is pretty reasonable because I know that's another big state for full-timers. Texas has that $300, like you said, which is pretty high, but they don't require an annual fee. However, Texas has a lot of sales tax. You have to charge sales tax on services. Okay. So those are just things to consider, things to think about. Yeah. So other you, you ran through a few other things um, that people kind of bring up and address uh, if they're running a business on the road. I think there were a couple that we didn't just talk about or did we talk about all of them? I think we talked about most of them. Like I said, the biggest one is, is the sales tax. And a lot of people don't realize um, that sales tax can be on services, not just on physical goods. Yeah. So how does that work? Like if you're running an Etsy shop, we've talked to a lot of people who do Etsy. So if you're selling on Etsy and you're moving around in your RV, how does that work? That gets sticky too, because <laughs> um, it's state by state, whether or not, so like if your home base is Texas and you're selling your Etsy, that's where your business is based. So if you sell to a person in the state of Texas, you must collect sales tax on that item. If you're selling and shipping that item to the state of Wyoming, because that person lives in Wyoming that they're shipping it to, then you do not collect sales tax because it's being shipped out of state. And that's also where it becomes a, a sticky situation or a little more confusing. But typically, if it's an item, a physical item, and it's being shipped out of that home state where that business is based, you do not collect the sales tax because technically that person that lives in that other state, maybe it's Wyoming, maybe it's New York, they're supposed to report it on their own and pay the sales tax in their state. Got it. If that makes sense. I don't know. How many people actually do that, but that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, we can get into the weeds real quick. Well, thank you, Heather, so much for taking the time to dive into all the logistics around setting up a remote business. And I know there's so much more that that we could talk about and that questions that we haven't covered because everybody's situation is so different. I know you and Paul are coming to the RV Entrepreneur Summit in February. So if you're coming to that, people can dive in and ask you questions there. And they can also reach out at tax-queen.com. And do you have an email or contact uh, on social that is a good place to connect with you? Uh, if you go onto my business website, that text queen, you there's a contact page there and my email and phone number is all on there. Awesome. And I don't want people to abuse your time. So we'll just say for the <laughs> sake of this conversation, like 
you get one free question to Heather and then just hire her if you are running a business on the road to uh, help you with your taxes this spring because uh, she will do a great job. Heather, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to that episode with Heather. If you want to grab her ebook on how to handle taxes and set up your business as an RV entrepreneur, go to taxqueen.com slash ebook. That's tax-queen.com slash ebook. And you can grab her ebook for free. Would highly recommend it because it can save you a lot of money when you're on the road and make sure that you don't make mistakes that come back to haunt you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I love hearing from y'all on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email, phone calls. Kidding. Uh, I don't have my phone call, <laughs> my, phone, my phone listed anywhere for you to call. Um, but if you did call, I would appreciate that too. So thank you guys so much for listening and for leaving reviews and iTunes and Stitcher and for marking your favorite episode in Overcast, which you should totally do, by the way. I hope to see y'all on the road in 2018 and growing your business. Let me know what kind of cool projects y'all have going on. I'll see y'all next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.